What's going on, Nuggets Nation? Welcome back to the Nothing But Nugs podcast. I got a solo episode coming to you guys today where I want to talk about the last few games. But first, I want to get into the news that broke uh, last night regarding the trade that the Nuggets were involved in. So the Nuggets sent P.J. Dozier and Bull Bull to the Boston Celtics. The Celtics sent... Juancho Hernan Gomez to the Spurs, and the Spurs sent Bryn Forbes to the Denver Nuggets. Overall, my initial reaction was I was very happy with this trade, and I know a lot of people, uh, maybe not a lot, but some people will disagree. Some might have, you know, pretty differing takes, but I think it's a good trade. For one, you know, the Denver Nuggets, and, and just looking at the guys that left, um, it was clear that Bobble's time and opportunity had kind of run out with the Nuggets. You know, whether that was a physical thing, whether it was um, a mental thing, attitude, things like that, we're not exactly sure. But obviously, Bull really never got the opportunity that <clears throat> a lot of people hoped he would. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really know why that was the case, but it, it was clear that um, Bull wasn't, you know, long for Denver. Like, he, he wasn't going to stay, stay with the Nuggets his entire career just based on uh, the first couple years he spent here. So, you know, I do think Bull has a place in this league. I think he, I think he has a lot of potential. Obviously, he's young and, you know, news broke about him getting foot surgery. And so, you know, I I hope the best for him. I I do think he will be um, if he does reach his potential. I think he'll be a very entertaining player to watch and and someone that I personally would uh, would enjoy watching if he does re- reach that potential. Just because you know he's super long, super skinny. Um, he can shoot. He appears to to be a decent passer. So yeah, I think the the potential is there, and the Celtics clearly. Uh, clearly took a flyer on this one um so i think i think some nuggets fans will be really disappointed um that we traded pj dozier so pj was on the last year of his contract so he was a unrestricted free agent after this season so it'll be really interesting to see what what pj ends up doing whether he stays with boston i mean obviously he he tore his acl so he won't be returning um until you know, sometime next season. And so it's, it, it is interesting that someone with an injury um, entering unrestricted free agency, like obviously we've seen that with Kawhi, but everyone in the world knows what Kawhi can do. Um, so I'll be very curious to see where PJ ends up in the off season, whether he stays in Boston or, or uh, tries to go somewhere else. So I think, Nuggets fans will be disappointed just because um, a lot of people really, really liked PJ. Obviously, we know what he brought defensively. Um, my issues with PJ were were mostly around his offensive game and, and the limitations there. Obviously, he's still really young. I think he's like 24, 25 years old. So, um, you know, I think... He could have potentially gotten there offensively. I, I I personally didn't really like his his offensive game, um, and that's kind of why I wasn't uh, 
I, I, that's why I was happy with this trade, rather, because I know what, what Bryn Forbes does bring. Um, but yeah, obviously with PJ, um, wish him all the best as well, and hope that uh, hope that he signs somewhere in the offseason that uh, will give him some opportunities next year. And I think another thing to keep in mind here, too, is what we've seen with uh, glimpses of Bones Highland and, and what he produces. It is clear that you know, this second unit is going to be, you know, once this Nuggets team is hopefully all back and healthy, you know, the second unit is going to be run by uh, Bones and Monte and those two guys. And so I don't necessarily know where PJ fit into that. I I personally didn't like PJ playing um, the three and the four when, when Malone put him in those positions, like an undersized wing and, um, you know, I'm more I more preferred PJ as like the big guard and and creating mismatches that way. So, you know, with with what we've seen from Bones and what we've seen um, from Monte over the years, like I think I think our second unit being run by those guys is uh, is in a really good place. So, what did the Nuggets get with Bryn Forbes? I mean, as simply as I can put it, they got a three point shooter. He is a career 40% three-point shooter. This year, he's currently averaging 41% from three. Last year, um, across the entire season, he averaged 45% on five three-point attempts per game. So, you know, that's that's as good as it gets when it comes to um, a guy that's going to be coming off the bench and just expected to to spot up and shoot. And so I'm looking forward to to seeing that because the Nuggets have not had a pure shooter um a pure shooter on their team in a while. I mean you're, you're talking about guys that their only role is to knock down shots. That the Nuggets have have not had a guy like that probably since uh, I think maybe Malik Beasley was the last to do it. Uh, before we traded him, so I, I'm glad. I'm glad the Nuggets went with this trade and um, and got themselves a shooter. So w- what I expect from Forbes, you know, I expect him to play in that second unit. Um, I don't think he'll get a ton of minutes with the Nuggets, but I think he'll be a situational guy. I do think he'll take some time away from. Faku and um, Austin Rivers, just because he is a better shooter, and hopefully with Jamal coming back at some point this season, fingers crossed, uh, we'll see Monte and Bones running that second unit. So I think that Forbes will probably be in there with them too, and then I'm really hoping, <laughs> I'm really hoping that you know, Malone plays guys like Zeke, J. Mike, Jeff Green with the second unit instead of doing what he's done in, in the past and playing like four guards. Like I, you know, we signed another small guard. He's he's six two. What I don't want this to mean is is us now playing four guards. Um, unfortunately, I think I think Malone will do that just because that's what he's done. So I'm fully expecting to see a lineup of Baku, Forbes, Austin Rivers, Bones, and then like J. Mike, just a tiny lineup. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I 
but what I am excited for about Forbes is is just him being able to space the floor with the second unit and, and seeing guys like Monte and Bones just be able to create more just because of that extra spacing that, that he will add. Um, it just really opens things up. And obviously, um, if he does get, does get minutes with the starters, you know, Jokic will find them for shots. So overall, I, I think this... Uh, this is a, a good trade for the Nuggets. I think obviously it gives us a guy this season that will step in because obviously PJ was out for the year and Bobo clearly wasn't getting any minutes. Um, so it gives us someone this year. And then his contract is up at the end of this year. He's an unrestricted free agent. So we'll see if he's you know happy with the Nuggets and wants to stick around. He's uh, 28 years old. And his salary is about $4 million a year. I think, um, depending on how his time goes with the Nuggets, I think that's probably what around what he'll be looking for um, going forward. You know, if he comes in and, and absolutely shoots the lights out, then maybe he'll be looking for more. But, but yeah, um, short-term and long-term, I think, you know, long-term, you could definitely make the argument that keeping PJ and trying to... Um, trying to get bull into the rotation would have been a better play, but I don't know. I think uh, he's a guy that's entering his prime and, and hopefully we can get, you know, three, four years out of a really good three point shooter in the rotation. All right. So I just want to recap the, uh, the last couple of games here for the Nuggets. So last Thursday, the Nuggets beat the Trailblazers by a score of 140 to 108 at home. That was just a, a super, super fun game. The Nuggets really, really, uh, really piled it on, and everyone ate in that game. I mean, Jeff Green had 19, Jokic had 20, Barton 21, Faku 18. Uh, Bone 17, Zeke 16. So a lot of guys in, in high double figures there. And yeah, this was one that the Nuggets should win 100 out of 100 times. I mean, <clears throat> the Blazers were missing their three best players. You know, this is one that the uh, the Nuggets should never lose. And But, you know, you got to go out there and you got to perform. And they did. We... Uh, we shot the shit out of the ball, and, and it was good to see. The Blazers right now, like obviously they have not been good to start the season. I am very curious if they're going to try to make a push for that 10 seed. So there is right now four teams that are within two games of each other um, for that 10 seed to, to try to make the, the playoff play-in game, rather. Um, you have the Blazers, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Pels kind of all within a couple games of each other. And um, I think that might be a really interesting dogfight. And I think, uh, I think there'll be, there will continue to be a pretty big separation between the 9 and the 10 seeds um, for the rest of the year. So following that win against the Blazers, the Nuggets, Blew out the Los Angeles Lakers at home by a score of 133 to 96 in a game where Jokic put up a triple double in just 28 minutes. It was such a blowout that 
we had one, two, it was such a blowout that we had 10 guys get more than 20 minutes. I mean, usually you see the starters kind of in the low to mid 30s, and then um, a lot of the bench guys getting like 16, 17 minutes. But actually, you know, Bones led us in minutes in this game with 33 and led the team in scoring with 27 points. Jeff Green added 26. Like I said, Jokic had a 17-point triple-double. And yeah, this was just a really good all-around performance. You know, we put up good numbers offensively. We shot the ball well. And we also played uh, solid defense. And this game really just, it, it made me want another um, another Lakers series. And obviously this team will look a little bit different with Anthony Davis and Carmelo Anthony back. but. Um, man, I, I, I just want a rematch for that. Or re, I want revenge for that uh, bubble series that we lost and, and would love to see the Nuggets match up with the Lakers in a playoff series this year. Following those two really big wins, the Nuggets had a relatively devastating defeat to the Utah Jazz. You know, every time, every time you lose the Jazz, it, it hurts. Um, but the the Nuggets lost 125 to 102 in a game where Jokic was playing really really well. Um, Aaron Gordon also had a, had a good game. Um, you know the the team was was looking really solid at times, and so what happened in this game was. The Nuggets had an instance in the first half and an instance in the second half where they just went on a complete scoring drought. I mean, we're talking, I think it was like four to seven minutes where the Jazz went on like a 15 to two run and it happened in both halves. And, you know, a lot of people have been have been blaming the bench and rightfully so. But. In both instances, it either started or ended with the starters being in the game. And so, you know, if the be- if the bench is giving up this crazy run and then the starters come back in and can't really figure it out, you know, yes, I understand you can blame the bench for kind of starting that momentum. But I believe in the second half, that drought started with the starters um, late in the third quarter, not being able to put the ball in the basket, not being able to get a stop, you know, that combo, it just isn't going to win you any games. And obviously in the NBA, we see a lot of runs where, I mean, every night you can you can be watching a game and a team's down 15 and they win by 10. Like, it happens all the time. But I think the issue that a lot of Nuggets fans have and, and I myself have is it's been a consistent issue with this team where we go on these five-minute scoring droughts. and we got to do something to figure it out. And, I, you know, I think the primary issue is, you know, we look at the last two games against the Blazers and the and the Lakers and, and the bench unit just, they were lights out. They were knocking down everything. And what happens is, you know, we go up against the Jazz and, okay, we miss a couple. All right, but we're going to shoot ourselves out of it by by making the next three we take. And while that's a really good attitude to have, you know, just, thinking that you're going to make the next shot. Um, it 
it sometimes can be a snowball effect because what happens if you keep missing? <laughs> and the Nuggets have had these games and these these runs where we miss 15 shots in a row, and that's why we're losing some of these games. And yeah, I, as far as you know, what the solution is, I just I wish that we would draw up plays to get easy baskets and and the nuggets just don't seem to do that like multiple times a game out of a timeout you know we get the ball we have 24 seconds on the shot clock and we dribble around make a couple passes and all of a sudden you know there's two seconds left on the shot clock and we have to force it so it yeah it's it's just a problem that that we're running into and obviously Jamal Murray coming back, you know, solves solves a lot of this um, because then it kind of pushes Monte to the bench and 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 yeah, that that will definitely solve some issues. But I do just I worry about us because I, I can't even remember a time this year where the Nuggets like drew up a play out of a timeout and got like an easy basket. I mean, easy for us is like a, a Nicola post up score, but that's not that's not an easy basket. I'm talking like wide open backdoor layup, um, uncontested. So it's just rare that we get that and I think it would help a lot because it sees, you know, you see a shot go in, all right, you know, you're gonna make the next one or you're gonna create for someone on the next one instead of having this like anxiety of oh my gosh we haven't scored in three minutes like it's a it's a compounding effect almost also an issue with the nuggets that doesn't help is we don't have a lot of guys that draw fouls and get calls and unfortunately you know having the the reigning mvp who gets hacked um a hundred times a game isn't enough because the refs aren't necessarily calling it, unfortunately, but you know, it does make things easier if you're on a scoring drought and you can find a way to get to the free throw line. And we just like, we just don't, we don't get to the free throw line. Um, we don't draw fouls super well. And I think that's an issue in itself. You know, we, uh, on MLK day, we, we watched, um, Joel Embiid and he had he had eight free throws in the first eight minutes and the fouls I mean Jokic gets fouled twice as hard and they don't call it so it's a big issue and I really I I saw that after the the last game you know Aaron Gordon spoke out to the to the media about Jokic not getting foul calls and so I hope um, I hope we see some change there and I hope that People do start calling it, but, you know, it's been an issue Jokic's entire career. And so you would think it'll change, but it hasn't. And I think once that um, once he does start to get more calls, I I think that it will definitely help um, help the issue here with with these scoring droughts. Before we look ahead to the games coming up, I do want to do another edition of our clown shit segment. This one, this one hurts. Um, So obviously the Los Angeles Lakers were in town on Saturday night. 
anything involving the Lakers is is some clown shit. Let's be real. But this one in particular, I I think I only saw one instance of it, but it's something that I've noticed. Oh, at least a couple dozen times over the years going to Nuggets games. And over the years, I kind of just thought of it as, all right, this, this comes with the territory. You know, the Nuggets, the Nuggets are kind of an up, you know, four or five years ago, the Nuggets are an up and, up and coming team. And, you know, I understand that, that people, you know, love the Warriors and they love Steph Curry and, and you know, all these other teams that um, are so glamorous. And so, you know, it, it just came with the territory that opposing teams would have a good showing at, you know, Ball Arena, the old Pepsi Center. But as the Nuggets have gotten better and better, fortunately, there are fewer and fewer teams that can kind of compete with the Nuggets home crowd, um, which is, is uh, I'm so glad. I mean, we used to get outnumbered by Spurs fans, Celtics fans, like you name it. It, it was brutal. Um, now I think it's like, I mean, even this Lakers game, I, I think it was probably, I think it was probably 70% Nuggets, which I, I'm happy with. Um, but where where my, where the clown shit segment comes into play here is I saw a, Nuggets fan, grown man, decked out Nuggets gear with his child that had a Lakers jersey on. What is that? What what are you doing? I mean, I, I can't wrap my head around being a father. That's not the end of the sentence. Uh, <laughs> being a father and allowing them to wear I mean, a Lakers jersey of all things. Like, there's, there's no shot, no shot. Like, you, you've, I'm sorry, you failed. That's, there's no other way to put it. You, what? Oh my gosh, I can't even talk. I'm so mad just thinking about it. It, it doesn't make. I mean, I, in my head, I want to play out like the, the timeline of this child's life. You know, they. They're four, five, six years old, and you're. Are you encouraging this? Are do they just like they see LeBron on TV? Or I mean, he wasn't even on the. This kid was like this kid was like twelve years old. So I I just think it's absolute clown behavior. You hate to see it. You hate to see that. Um, there's people out there that you know, parents that can just get absolutely bullied by their children. Um, I don't think it's good for society. You brainwash your kids when they're young to to love your sports team. That's what you do. I mean, all right. So looking ahead, uh, let's preview the next three games here. The Nuggets have um, three more games at home. We are halfway through our homestand. We have the Clippers tonight. The Grizzlies on Friday and the Pistons on Sunday. So I am really, really looking forward to that Grizzlies game Friday night. I think it's going to be an absolute battle. Um, yeah, I can't wait to watch that one. The game against the Clippers tonight is on um, TNT, I believe. So it's a late one. But yeah, that um, 
you know, just looking ahead, I, I think the Nuggets should win, should win at least two out of three. And then the Grizzlies game Friday is, is going to be um, hopefully a really good game. I'm, I'm sad to miss that one going on a ski trip, but yeah. So like I said, I think the Nuggets win two out of three. I think they beat the Clippers and Pistons pretty easily. Hopefully. Um, and then the Grizzlies game, the Grizzly, I think they beat the, the Clippers and Pistons pretty easily, hopefully. And then the Grizzlies, you know, I just put that as a 50, 50. So, you know, if we can win all three and end this, uh, end this six game homestand five out of six and only losing to the jazz, I think that would be a huge win. And, and like we've talked about, um, Things are tight in the Western Conference, and the Nuggets have to, have to, have to keep winning to avoid the play-in. I do not want to be stuck in a play-in game against the Lakers or T-Wolves or Clippers with potentially, you know, Paul George and Kawhi back. Like that—that's not that—that's not an option. So the Nuggets have to keep winning to uh, to maintain, you know, top six in the in the Western Conference and. And yeah, the the schedule coming up isn't too daunting. So I see a lot of wins in in the Nuggets next couple weeks, um, but some good games in there as well. So that is all from me. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. And yeah, take care and go Nuggets.